0: Chishon, Jay Will, and Zubin, the podcast.
1: You know the NBA celebrated its first half in Atlanta yesterday. "Quote unquote" first half All-Star game is done. Most teams looking ahead to the second half. Two games Wednesday, eleven on Thursday, which includes the Brooklyn Nets.
2: That's oh. why we play that song, "What's Next" by Drake. And you see, see the it? setup right there, Zubin. You see how we transition that? Well done. Yeah. They got well the played.
1: S- All right, Alan. They got the Celtics coming up. I think I hit a button I shouldn't have hit. Sorry about that. Echoing little echo there. They got the Celtics on (laughs) Thursday and they will be the new look Brooklyn Nets because Jay, they have added Blake Griffin, the six time all star. Obviously, this is a I mean, everywhere you look on the Nets, it's superstar after superstar after superstar after superstar. So what does this move do getting them closer to trying to win that elusive first NBA championship.
2: First off, let's address one thing. It, it, was, it was horrible for the league and horrible for Blake Griffin that we were tracking the amount of time that one of the most athletic players the league has ever seen did not have a damn dunk. Did not have a dunk. If that goes to show you anything, Key, he was checked out while he was in Detroit. Checked out for a longer period of time. But what a new environment does for players is sometimes it awakens them, especially when they have a chance to win a title something that Blake Griffin, he only really had when he was with the Clippers, to be frank with you. Those teams with CP3 and DeAndre Jordan, they always fell short, okay? You add his play with this team, it's over. The game is over. Now you can say, well, they have defensive issues. Okay, they have Nick Claxton, they have DeAndre Jordan. Now both serviceable bigs that can protect the middle if they have to go big. But now when you play with Blake Griffin in the lineup, a guy that shoots a good rate from the three-point line and has a good mid-range game, you involve him in pick and pops, his game will become unlocked when you put him with Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant, all who thrive in pick-and-roll scenarios. So now if I'm James Harden, if I'm at the top of the key, Blake Griffin's coming up for a screen for me, how do you guard it? Do you switch it? That's a mismatch for James Harden. If you switch, now have a big on me. If Blake pops, if you want to double-team me because I'm coming off, great, knock down the three. If I come off the corner and Kyrie's in the corner, boom, kick the Kyrie for a corner. If I want to skip the ball to KD, who's in isolated because now you have to help on all these other perimeter players and we're keeping the lane open, you tell me how you guard that. And if you want to go big, if the Lakers do want to go big when they get there, okay, you want to play Marcus Saul and you want to play Anthony Davis, that probably gives you an advantage from a size perspective. But now I'm going to move KD to the five. Guard us small. How do you guard that? How do you guard it? You have to outscore. You have to outscore the Brooklyn Nets. So here's my thing. I just, I think this was one of the missing pieces. And this added a piece, the Brooklyn Nets are by far the favorite to win it. Damn, they are. Damn, damn, damn. That's so true. It just is. Man. And I want to, if, if Blake Griffin doesn't go to the Nets, okay. I've said this before, Lakers still the favorite. I still would have picked the Lakers to win over KD, James, and Kyrie. Yeah, I would have.
3: They got they got stronger just now. I mean, it. Uh, yeah,
2: it's a little
3: bit of a head scratcher. You know, you. He, he's yeah. like like uh, Jay will was saying. When you in certain places and you feel a certain way, you go and you get reenergized going to Brooklyn with what they doing and the coaches and the players that they surround you, which you just feel you feel better. Like you know that you. You can't do what you did in Detroit. You got to take that game and get to a certain level because they're at a certain level.
1: Let me ask you this, Jay. Take me inside here. So the next game that Blake Griffin plays, presumably Thursday against the Celtics, whatever the case may be, it'll be the first game in his regular season career. He has not started. Just take me inside the mindset that he's played like 642 games. And I think he started every single one of them. He's not starting on this team, right? Um, why wouldn't he?
2: Oh,
3: well, yeah. yeah. I'm like, what? 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 Unless you just think because he hasn't – unless they just have – they want to kind of slowly move him into the role. Is that what
1: you mean? Yes, to a degree. But you don't think it's out of the question that the Nets just go with their five? I mean, they can go with their five. Blake Griffin's hey. going to be a starter. Yeah, they're not <laughs>
3: doing that yeah. <laughs> okay. Blake no. Griffin's
2: going to be a starter. Uh, just – he is the he's, – he's, he'll become like the queen piece to a degree on a chessboard. Right now you have you have multiple queens obviously, but just he will be involved in so much action, and here the more he's a screener, is the more you're going to see him popping out and knocking down wide open jump shots because of the amount of attention that Kyrie, James Harden, and Kevin Kevin Durant are going to warrant. Like he will be a, a a great utility piece for them down the stretch.
3: Yeah, no, he's the starter. They didn't bring him in there to come off the bench and be sixth man of the year. I mean that's not. He may not start his first game out. But he certainly is going to be a starter before the end of the year. By no how many games in? It.
1: Just a weekend? What does he need to reacclimate to a, to a team that has so many guys that need touches? Yeah, but everybody tries to use that argument. Like, yeah, everybody needs
2: touches. But the ball's in James Harden's hands. He runs the PG, right? So, <laughs> look, man, I've played with some bad teams before in my life, okay? You know what happens when you play with a bad team? I've told you guys a story about what used to happen to me on the Bulls. Oh, the shot right? Clock. About, about the shot clock. Right Where somebody, somebody has the ball, and all of a sudden, you know three seconds left in the shot clock, they can't get a shot up. Keyshawn, here! And you Keyshawn catches the ball, you're like, damn, what do I do? I got to get it up. Next thing you know, you start looking at box scores, you're like, what, 50% of the shots I'm taking are two seconds left in the shot clock. What is going on? Right? Like, that exists on bad teams. When you go to a good team, and you got one of your star players who's a willing passer, and people are willing to share the rock, it feels like an all-star game to a degree, and it's a lot easier to buy into when the ultimate goal is to win a championship than saying, "Man, I'm in Detroit." Yeah, this. Let's is be real. real. I'm in Detroit. Yeah. I, I, Jay Rose is my guy. We talk about all. He's in Detroit.
3: Way different than Brooklyn. Way different.
4: I'll and, leave it as that.
3: And and this is not the Brooklyn Nets of Paul Pierce and, and KG and them. This is a different. You know what I'm saying? Like these are younger, kind of like. They got a lot of uh, a lot of pop in them still, so it it's, it's gonna be fun to watch. I hate to see it, but it's gonna be fun to watch. And I'm not worried about the Lakers once we get AD back. We straight bring them on.
2: I mean, when, look, that's that's the question. When does Anthony Davis come back? And and look, Rich Paul has Rich Paul and that organization have a big time decision to make because Kendrick Perkins has said it. I've heard Art Rich Paul say it too, that when that injury happened to Kevin Durant. Rich Paul was like, look, man, if that ever happened to LeBron, he's not coming back. He's not coming back. So those words fast forward years later, if AD doesn't feel okay, do you sacrifice long-term for short-term gratification to win a chip, especially at LeBron being 36? I, I don't know. But I'm going to be attached to that TV screen watching every single action. Yeah, no, I'll don't, tell you that.
3: You don't put AD out there unless he's ready. Because he is- AD has to essentially be – the, the the heir apparent, a one to LeBron James. Whenever that time comes, you sign you
2: sign AD for the long haul, not for the short term. But key here, here's what happens with the Lakers, and I love Marcus I think he's an ambassador of the game, but he's going to start getting exploited defensively because what I saw right before the All Star break, exactly. He moves like if yeah, y'all can see it. Key was a, it's like a robot on the court. My man's just like. Rrr, rrr. That's what we used to do when we used to play against the Lakers, man. I'd be like, all right, Tyson, Shaq's guarding you. Come here, Tyson. Come set this screen every time. Because Shaq was going to play below the free throw line. That was a wide open jumper for me. And those are the kind of liabilities that you have. Did you, you hit have.
3: him? Yeah. I'm just asking. We that. only played him twice.
2: I mean, I, I short run, obviously. Hit, I, I didn't know if you hit the J or who came yeah, out. Shaq over know. there looking at me with his mouth all open because we just kept running up and down the court. right? But that, that's what happens with Marcus Saul. When he's on the court, liability defensively.
1: We'll see what happens. Just a game to circle. Lakers, 100. Nets, April tenth <laughs> could be a possible. And then Shaq knocked finals. me on my back, and
2: I stopped talking trash to him. Preview:
1: Keyshawn J. Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. So we're asking a question this morning, and this coming off our NBA conversation, this could actually be a really. Good question, because a lot of people are asking about whether the league should make some modifications here or there. Every sport, no matter how popular, can always do things better. And today's question is based upon something the Ravens put forth in the NFL last week, which is a new concept for overtime. It's a little bit complicated, and it's certainly not something that probably will pass. But teams have certainly tried it over the years, so they want to see overtime be a little different. They don't want the coin toss to determine a little bit too much. So they have put their proposal to the table. We'll see what happens. So it got us thinking, if you don't like the NFL's overtime, it's gone down from 15 minutes to 10, the NBA's overtime at five minutes. Hockey's overtime going three on three, but having a different rule in the postseason and obviously you need a winner. Golf majors, you can play 18 holes if they're tied at the U.S. Open on a Monday and in other sports, it's not 18 holes. Tennis, fifth sets, boxing unit, whatever you want, anything that needs to be changed in its overtime in its last stanza or last period. So what sport is it? And how would you fix it? Let's get right to the calls based on Mm. the Ravens. Corey is in Charlotte. You're on ESPN radio. Corey, what sport needs a fix and how would you fix it in OT?
5: First of all, thank you for having me fellas. Good morning. Um, I would say the NFL overtime rule First, uh, I would uh, get them to adopt um, the college rule of starting at the twenty-five,
3: um, and after a TD, you must go for a two-point conversion or a kick a fifty-five yard for three points. So, like no, no, like easy stuff. Like you just gotta h- try to go for it. You know, just go for it from there. And um, after the third OT, just get a little, just a little more spice in it. Both team, If both teams are tied, then do a one oh one,
5: like a Starker-style shootout, like get your team's best receiver or tight end versus their team's best DB and corner and go from there.
1: That would be interesting, Key. You'd probably be up for something like that. It's crazy. It's, it's too
3: it's- complicated, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just put the ball on the 20-yard line, do like
3: college. Each team get a possession, see who scores, and let's call it a day.
1: One other thing to the Ravens proposal that hasn't been talked about a lot, because everybody's talking about the spot and choose and all this, offense, defense, and then they discuss the sky judge. There's another scenario that they're thinking where you play the entire overtime period, mm-hmm. right? Now, this is obviously, this is getting, again, to your point, getting a little complicated, but they've thrown this one out. Just tell me what you think about this. It's not getting a lot of traction just because everything else is the headlines. You play the whole overtime period, and then, un- under these rules, and then you play another, listen to this, Set, this is the word the Ravens, seven and a half minutes. I don't know why seven and a half. I have no idea. You play another seven and a half minutes.
2: On top and, of the overtime.
1: Correct. Okay. And no matter what happens, whoever leads at that point, overtime plus seven and a half, whoever is winning, wins the game. So you can score multiple times, like all that sort of stuff. It's too much for me. That's, That's too basically
3: much. asking for fifth quarter. Almost
1: like half a quarter. And in no, when, uh, yeah. when you hit, yeah, when you hit the end of that half quarter, whatever the score is, whoever's winning, wins the game. No, I agree with you. I'm just saying that's another. No, I'm just <laughs> like, you no. said it
2: though, Zubin. Like you were excited about it, like there was a chance. You're really you? selling it to me. <laughs>
1: and
3: I'm not buying it. We, we both know there's no
1: rule changes coming. It just it takes the NFL can't just agree that, on 75. The NFL of they anything, should
3: just man. look at the college joint in in give them a couple possessions, and go from there. Because there's a lot of teams that cannot score from the 20. How, and it's a lot of teams that will stop teams from scoring from the 20. How
1: hard is it for NFL owners to agree on 75% of owners to agree on anything?
3: I'm, It's, it's very hard. Anything. Yeah, it's very hard. I don't think that they've ever gotten 100% – on anything, The Raiders they, would always abstain. It was always the Raiders <laughs> or somebody, right? It was always abstaining. somebody. Just, always
2: just, be angry about always it. Always something. Not enough money or something. I do wish it, Zubin, the NBA, went to your two-minute rule for overtime. And I also wish that they would be allowed certain, like FIBA, if the ball is on the rim, you can knock it off. Like, there's no goaltending. I mean, unless you can't put your hand through the rim, but the ball's, like, rolling around the rim. You know, in feeble, you can knock the ball off. I would love to see the league do something like that.
1: One of the reasons I went to the two-minute NBA is obviously, I mean, if you were watching yesterday, and I know this is not the NBA, but this is indicative of sometimes of what happens in the NBA. Yesterday, Iowa and Wisconsin played a huge college basketball game. And the last minute, took 20 minutes exactly 20 minutes to play one minute and a lot of people have complained at the end of nba games it happens the other right, thing well
3: wisconsin you really got to be a basketball fan in college and watch that it was,
2: it was a big game big, in game. The big Ten. i mean big i game. get it but big tens gonna get like nine ten teams in. yeah
1: but think about this key the other reason i would say go for the two minutes
2: <laughs> head fake pass reverse pivot back door
1: yeah I mean, like, good pass you know, not taking into account offensive rebounds, both teams would get, you know, two possessions if it's a 24-second 48 for each on a two-minute. The other thing I would say is it actually puts more strategy into the game than you think. So, for example, if you go into the overtime period and you're down and you need to preserve possessions and stop the clock, you can always do a hack-a-shack, hack-a-howard. This year it would be like hack a Giannis. a tremendous player is not a good free-throw shooter. But in a two-minute overtime, you can hack a Giannis. He makes one free-throw. That could be the only scoring in the overtime. So you would be against doing things like that. Think about it. You know, it could possibly be the case. I think you get good, fluid basketball for two solid minutes. Nah, I
3: don't like his. Yeah, I like like it for a
2: degree. two minutes, man. But it also could be two minutes that turns into 25 minutes. That's true. So you got to be ready for both there.
1: Jeff in Fort Myers, Florida. You're on ESPN Radio. What sport needs to fix its overtime or, shall we say, innings issue? And how would you fix it?
5: Hey, man, uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Um, baseball games are long and boring enough, not to mention when they go into extra innings. So what if we did a fun, and I know traditionalists are going to crap on this, but what if we did a home run derby at the end of maybe call it 10 or 11 innings?
3: No. <laughs> no. Just, just, I, I would say you go to 12 innings, and that's it, and cut it off. Figure it out from there. Don't I don't want to be going into 16 innings and all that craziness. 12 innings, and that's the cutoff, and then figure it out from there. Let's figure it out, though? I know, but let's start – let's start max it there. at 12, and then let's figure out maybe we put guys on second base, maybe we do what they did during the pandemic. Right. Maybe that's the way to go, but they certainly need to shorten it. There's no question about it. They can, no can do that in the 10th, right? They yeah. can do it in the 10th and make it easier. Agreed. Yeah, they – yeah, no, I, I would – Maybe eleven to 12. 10 is just that's that's you know that's a little too short.
1: Okay, so from swapping in rules and swapping out rules, Eddie in New York, you're on ESPN Radio. You want to swap in, swap out NFL quarterbacks? Hit us up on mm-hmm.
0: this. Hey, what's going on, Key? Big fan, man. I never talked to you before. No, uh, what's uh, just up, what Eddie? I got for the Jets. Uh, what's up, Eddie? All right, just for the Jets on Donald. You know, I think Donald's just as good as any quarterback in the draft besides. Uh, Trevor Lawrence are about equal, but the problem is the money. What I would do is trade down the next two years, build the offensive line, defensive line, and I would get Tyrod Taylor for two to three years and don't even dress the quarterback so the beginning of the third year, the beginning of the draft, or free agency because there's going to be so many quarterbacks. Okay, Tyrod Taylor can get it done for you, keep you about 500, build a team, he's a leader. He's got the skill, and I would like to keep Sam, but the money is going to be a problem eventually. So that's the only problem. And plus, you really don't know how great Sam's going to be. That's the other thing. He's above average, but how much
3: above average?
1: Gotcha. Love the call, but I got to say, in one breath, he said Sam is as good as Trevor Lawrence, and then he just said, I'm not sure how good Sam is.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, he's all over the board, obviously, clearly, but Look, man, <laughs> the, the the Sam Darnold thing is, is interesting because, you know, you, you miss on guys with this high praise all the time. But how can you evaluate a player at that position when his head coach is awful and he has no supporting cast? How can you possibly Evaluate a quarterback. Evaluating Carson Wentz or evaluating Jared Goff is different because they had players around them.
2: Had the pieces.
3: And they had coaches and had the pieces. How in the hell can you possibly evaluate Sam and come to a conclusion that he's not good for you? How can you do that? And then you factor in the money. The money becomes fully guaranteed on the fifth-year option. Okay, I get it. That's what quarterbacks make. It's 20. The lower level quarterbacks of the starters in the league are $20 million guys.
1: That's what it costs you. If he stays with the Jets, is there any quarterback that needs a bigger year than him?
3: There's a ton of them out there that need big years.
1: Drew Locke needs a big year in Denver. Um, But are people talking about Locke the way they're talking about Donald? You're telling me this guy's the second coming. If he just gets the right pieces.
3: Well, I think you not a lot of people. I don't people know if he's a that second that coming. The,
1: the second, way that you're talking,
3: Key.
2: I think he could be really good, man.
3: He doesn't have anything, Jay.
2: No, I understand. They gave his best second receiver Second coming, though, no, I think Joe name like like I Joe Namath, right? I think like next level. Like is that what you say? I saying?
3: wasn't born to see Joe play. Okay, so. I'm just but I'm
2: thinking New- I mean you're in New York, right? You say <laughs> second coming, I think it's when different.
3: I when I say he will be the best quarterback that the Jets have had in a really, really long time. Let's if put that's, it that me, way.
1: that's 50 years. I would say that's pretty good. Well,
3: Chad Pence was good. Mark did okay for a couple of years. I mean, you know, Vinny was there for a short stand. I'm just talking about a guy that they drafted, that he would be probably the second best of, of all of them, if, I, if my memory serves me correct. Um you know there was Richard Todd's in there along the way, and oh, Boomer Sirens or whatever the case is. One of Evans' favorite. I mean, uh, yeah. So when you start to think about it, though, Sam is you. You put some pieces around him. They let Robbie Anderson get away. You you put you you gotta understand what he is before you let him go. You just do. Take that pick at number two. Move it down. Get some picks. Some grab some players. That's what the coaches are here for, is to coach them up, not to run from them. That's what coaches, bad coaches do, is they run. I don't know any good coaches that good coaches stick through the players and try and get something out of them. Bad coaches run from them.
1: Namath, Todd, McIlroy, the Jets do love those Alabama quarterbacks. That's for sure. On the way, one NFL team is looking to make major changes on and off the field this particular season, and the one move they made on the field could start a trend in the NFL. We'll get into that and the person herself after Jay is this from Cintas.
2: Today, people expect a new level of clean. That's right. Cintas provides a wide range of essential products and services that help businesses keep their facilities and employees clean and safe. Centos will keep you well-stocked with essential supplies like face masks, hand sanitizers, gloves, and thermometers. Centos will hygienically clean and deliver your uniforms. That's nice. Centos also helps you protect employees and customers with first aid and safety supplies and fire protection services. Centos helps you open your doors with confidence every day. Learn how Centos can help keep your business clean and safe at Centos.com. Get Centos and get ready for the workday.
1: The Nets continue making moves to their championship run, and now they're signing six-time All-Star Blake Griffin. Making Moves is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Build your winning team today. Go to linkedin.com slash sports.
0: More from Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin next.
6: Call, click, Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
1: Good morning. I'm Zubin Mahenti here with your Sport Tenner update. Sport Tenner presented by Progressive Insurance. You can save big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat visit Progressive.com. NBA All Star Weekend has come to an end. I know a lot of the All Stars didn't want to be there, but we gave us some great entertainment and some great performance from Giannis. 35. He didn't miss a shot. He was 16 for 16, helping Team LeBron to beat Team Durant 170-150. That sounds like an All-Star game score, doesn't it? Three-point contest was won in the clutch by Steph Curry. He commemorated the win to Clay Thompson, which was pretty cool. Anthony Simons won the slam dunk contest, and Demontis Sabonis won the skills challenge. Speaking of NBA All Stars, the six-time All-Star Blake Griffin has agreed to a deal with the Brooklyn Nets, already fortifying an incredibly strong roster. The Nets will open the second half of the season along with 21 other teams on Thursday. They'll take on the Boston Celtics. We have two games on the docket on Wednesday, so a couple days in the NBA will be back. And back to this great story, Black History Always. Today is International Women's Day, March's Women's History Month. We honor Jennifer King, the NFL's first full-time black female assistant coach. Back in January, the Washington football team promoted King to assistant running backs coach. She previously had served as a full-year coaching intern with the Washington football team. That's your Sports Center update. And on that note, it's great to have Jennifer King join us this morning on the Goodyear Hotline. So whenever something like this happens, Jennifer or anybody, the first thing I always wonder is, like, how did you find out, right? I mean, a lot of times if it's a big promotion like this, they bring you in, they think maybe you're just going to be told something ordinary, and then boom, they pop it on you. So how did you find out about this trailblazing promotion? Take us through that minute, if you could.
5: Yeah, it was. It actually wasn't uh, that exciting. You know, we were working. Uh, we were in a game week. I can't remember who we were preparing for, but a uh, coach came by my office and let me know what was going to happen. And, uh, you know, I thanked him. I was excited, but I kind of just went right back to work and- mm-hmm uh, that was it.
3: <laughs> Jennifer, what, what, I guess I want to ask you, what did it mean to you though? Like when you, you learned that you would be the first black full-time female assistant coach in the national football league.
5: I meant a lot. Um, I don't think I realized the magnitude of it. You know, I was, I was more excited about just the work that I put in and all of the many years I've been working in football to achieve that accomplishment. Um, the fact of, of being the first, and th- it never crossed my mind until, obviously, uh, when it went public and, and things kind of went crazy. But um, that wasn't my, my first thought. My first thought was just a, it was a culmination of so much hard work that I put in.
3: You played uh, football for 14 years. When did you did – you, longer than I played, when did you realize that you wanted to be a coach?
5: I was coaching basketball, you know, as soon as I graduated from college, I played a little ball in Australia and then started coaching college basketball. And, um, you know, I just love coaching and I'd always loved football, but you know, it wasn't when really women getting opportunities in football. So I was coaching football at lower levels while coaching college basketball. But, um, you know, when I was able to combine, you know, football and coaching, you know, I jumped at the opportunity.
2: Jen, when do you think we will see the first woman head coach in the NFL?
5: I don't know. I mean, it could be a while. We're, we're just kind of uh, breaking in right now, so it's so important for for the women in the league now to do such a good job and, and be a positive representation and, and show that you know we're you know more than capable of, of working in the league. So I'm not sure. That's a that's a tough question. Um, you know, I would love to see it one day, but we I don't know when.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. That's naturally where my brain goes to, because, I, you know, one day it would be so great for this not to be like really, really big news. You know what I mean? Just talking about how qualified and all the things you're going to bring to the table. But speaking of that, who were some of your mentors that have helped you get to this point?
5: Yeah, uh, Scott Pioli was big for me. Um, he's been in my corner, you know, since the beginning. When I first met Scott, he was assistant GM with the Falcons, uh, but he's been great. Um, The guys that I've worked for, Buddy Tevens, obviously Ron Rivera, Rick Neuheisel, all been good to me. And then, you know, my mentors that I've had before this journey started, um, Jason Tuggle was big for me. He was my first boss when I was coaching college basketball, so he's always been there for me. I've known him for many years, and you know, he's always there for great advice.
3: Jennifer, how like when you first started, and and this has always been fascinating to me since you know I learned that you were, you know, basically assistant coach. Whether you were interning or not, that's still an assistant coach to me. Because I played in the league, I played college football, right, and so I never had any instruction from anybody other than males, and so I've always been fascinated to 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 see or, or hear how people or players have been receptive to a female coaching them in football. Because you got to remember, I played twenty years ago in, in the NFL, so it's kind of like how would I have taken instruction? Even though you know what you're doing, I think it would have been fun. Too bad I missed that boat. How are the players receptive nowadays?
5: Uh, It's been fantastic. You know, everywhere I've been, um, the guys have been great. You know, at the end of the day, great athletes want to be better. And, uh, you know, that's what I'm here to do is help make them better. And we've been able to build, I think, great relationships, um, partly because I am a female. You know, I'm maybe a common voice for them uh, to be able to build those relationships. But, I think you know coaching is teaching and, and so many of us had you know women teachers growing up, so it's not a lot of a difference in coaching and teaching, so I think um it's not as big a shock to them as as some may feel, especially once we get get to the nuts and bolts of it, and you know I'm able to help make them better
3: i, I it, you know me and Jay was talking jay basically say, how would you have handled the situation' You know, because me, I was, like, fiery. Like, when I look at you as, like, my sister or my mom, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? And you tell me to do something, I'll be like, what you – oh, okay, I understand, Coach. (laughs) I mean, it would be – you know, that's why it would be interesting to me. I wish I could have had that
2: experience, though, for sure. No, okay, but it feels like – look, the job that they've done there, changing the culture, everything from Ram Rivera, from yourself – from everything that you guys had to handle coming into that organization, how challenging has that all been?
5: Yeah. I mean, I think coming in brand new and not, not being here before, you know, it's all about moving forward, you know, for me and a lot of us that have come now and um, you know, it's been really cool to be a part of this, this culture. And obviously winning the NFC East, you know, I think we're headed in the right direction. So, um, it's been fantastic to be here. I'm super excited. It's fun to come to work every day.
2: Ooh, Jane, Jane got she got her and Jason right. Y'all got the speaking points down now. I respect it. I love it. <laughs> she, she, oh, you ain't gonna put me in the corner and ask me tough questions. I know <laughs> the answer to say now. No, she good. She can handle it.
3: Yeah, she's that's been what I'm saying. she's been shaped for this job for sure, one hundred percent. The Bucks had two female assistant coaches on their staff at, and won the Super Bowl. How will that change in this league about the way people view their staffs when they go to build them?
5: I just think it's so important to, you know, to see that diversity can win <laughs> and it does win. You know, there are so many teams in the playoffs this year with females on staff and essentially, you know, the coaches just had the courage to open up their their hiring pool to everybody. And, you know, it, it's a cool to have a diverse staff, whether it's male, female, black, white, you know, what other race you can think of to to bring different mindsets and different ideas and different backgrounds um, to really have one common goal, and that's winning the Super Bowl. Thanks. That's what they're able to do.
3: What other positions have you coached other than the, the running back spot that you're currently at now?
5: Uh, I've coached uh, receivers and quarterbacks.
3: Okay. Did we give you a hard time? Did you get? Did we get on your nerves? You know, receivers, flamboyant no, 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 wide receivers, though. No, not, but you know, you <laughs> <not> know how <laughs> we are, Jim. We sometimes our brains at receiver. We on a whole nother planet.
5: Yeah, actually played some receiver too, so I get it because I've probably been there a couple times, so (laughs) it wasn't that bad.
2: Jen, let me ask you this: Uh, I obviously had a a devastating injury uh, in my life due to my accident. Uh, Another person I watched go through the same thing, not with obviously off the field, but on the field, is Alex Smith. How was it being around him, and what kind of things did he bring to the table this past year?
5: Uh, It was incredible to see his his comeback journey. Um, You know, he was a great leader for us, and. Um, I was just so happy to see him be able to get back on the field. You know, you never know what's going to happen. And not only did he get back on the field, but he, he balled out. So um, it was nice to see see his journey. And he was just such a, a great presence.
1: You know, they often say the difference in the NFL between one team and another winning and losing, the margins are razor, razor thin. So what is wrong with bringing a diverse opinion to the floor that nobody's thought about? Because maybe that's the one thing that hasn't been unturned that could make all the difference in the world so i think that's another reason not just the skin color not just the positions but it's the thought process that can be brought in that hasn't been seen in most organizations and you're certainly on the leading edge of doing that i'm glad we chased you down on international women's day as a part of women's history month in america you're certainly amplifying that in the nfl for sure jennifer thank you very much congrats jennifer. go get it Jen. thank you guys Thank you. Here's the one thing I want to mention. Actually, two quick things really I want cool. to mention. Yeah, very good. Here's two things. She mentioned Pioli, and I want to bring this up. Pioli is actually uh, the, you know, the, the five-time executive of the year. Pat's important guy. Um, works for CBS. But I heard him do an interview, and I heard him say this, and you would appreciate this. Jay is a, a mogul in the investment world. I heard Warren Buffett say this. Both of them said. He's put me in the same sentence as Warren Buffett. You should take that. Ooh, I'm going I'm to hire you for you all my companies. I'm in. What they've both said, and purely in sports, but Buffett is a bigger issue because you're talking about, right, world wealth. They both openly had said they had sisters, and when they grew up, Buffett, I believe, is 90, believe it or not. Buffett mm. is 90 and still kicking it. Um, I mean, he's still well, I, I want him to kick it. Well, yeah, me not too. Not the bucket, obviously. No, no, not the bucket. No, I want him to keep working, keep working, keep driving around Omaha. No, but the thing is, um, both of them had said their sisters were smart as they were, Mm -hmm. but just didn't have the chance. Oh, yeah. So Buffett basically said, my sister probably could have been wealthy, but I was a guy and I got chances. And Pioli said his sisters were as smart as him, but... Him being a guy gave him many more opportunities than his own siblings, and even they, those two titans of their own field, have realized that and been honest about it. You
2: said it, though, Zubin. You said it's about the thought process that you come into it with, and I've heard a lot of executives talk about that. Do you come into the game with intent to hire people that look and are different than you, Right. Like, that's, that's intent. It takes that initial response initially right out of the gate. And some people are afraid to do that, as yes. we know.
1: Yeah, and obviously, unless you cross that first threshold, you never find out what the person's about. But if you don't give them that chance, anything they could do to help unlock your franchise, you'll never know about it. Keyshawn J. Will been presented by Progressive Insurance. Really On the way. I wonder how Key would have been, though. <laughs> oh, got no, major, no, you'll always be respectful. Respect. Major like, respect. I, okay, we'll talk about this later.
3: Oh, we got, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it.
1: 31 hours away, a little more than 31 hours away from franchise tag deadline day, 4 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. And the best insider in the NFL is here to tell us what to expect from Dak and the Cowboys between now and then after Key has this from CVS.
3: At CVS we look for savings for you from coupons and insurance coverage to lower cost options earn up to $50 in extra bucks each year just for filling prescriptions. Come in or call today for a free prescription saving review at CVS. That's healthier, made easier, savings vary. Not all patients are eligible for savings. Ask pharmacists for details.
1: Hey, it's Greeny, and Monday, we're looking back on the All-Star Game and all the festivities
4: and ahead to the second half of the NBA season, plus NFL free agency around the corner. It's Greeny, starting 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash unsportsmanlike.
6: Passion, drive, and patience. your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply.
4: Adam Schefter, ESPN's senior NFL insider and the host of the Adam Schefter podcast. When we talk about the women who have had the biggest impact on my life, the first half, absolutely my mother, Shirley Schefter, molded me, supported me, cheered me on to the heights that I've reached today, and I would be nowhere without my mother, Shirley Schefter. And in the second half of my life, my wife, Shari, I would not be at ESPN were it not for her pushing me to this spot today. So we thank Shirley Schefter, we thank Shari Mayo, we thank all the women out there. They help us be who we are today.
1: And on that note, Adam wrote a terrific book called The Man I Never Met, the link between the man that I never met, Adam, and his lovely wife. It's an amazing book. It's an amazing story. And he's the NFL's best insider, and he joins us this morning here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. He joins us on the Goodyear Hotline. Adam, here we go, 31 hours and change, but who's counting away from 4 p.m. Eastern tomorrow for Tag Deadline Day? Let's hone in on the Cowboys and give us the intel you have as we head to tomorrow.
4: Well, Zubin, thanks for those kind words. And we're going to get a lot of deadlines between now and the coming days because we got the deadline to the franchise tags, 4 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday. We have the start of the new league year, 4 p.m. Eastern, a week from Wednesday. That's a bigger countdown to that deadline. And, of course, all the activity that's going to take place between now and then. Much of the focus, of course, will be on Dak Prescott and whether the Cowboys can figure out a way to get him signed to a long-term deal. Keep in mind that once they use the franchise tag on him, which you figure they're going to be doing by the 4 p.m. Eastern deadline tomorrow, that's a $37.7 million cap hit. That is the largest cap hit for any franchise player in NFL history, and the Dallas Cowboys would prefer not to have that on their books, which means they would want to work out a long-term deal. Dak would like to work out a long-term deal, but stop us when you've heard this one before. These two sides have talked about this for over two years and have been unable to produce a long-term deal in the past. Now, there is a difference this year. I think that you have Dak coming off the injury that he did last year, which you would have to think would influence his perspective and thought process a little bit. And you have Dak at the inflated number and an even greater urgency to get that deal done because if they don't get that deal done, this offseason, he's going to walk after next season and leave Dallas altogether. So you'd have to figure that affects Dallas's perspective. Between the two sides having certain influences on them, you'd like to think that they'd find a way to be able to work out a deal.
3: Adam, I know you've been following this story for the past two years, as you mentioned, right? Right along with most of everybody else. But you have such great insight on these things. Let me ask you this. How come they haven't been able to get a deal done? Is it because – it's the average. Is it the real cash value in the deal or is it the length of the deal
4: or a combination? Well, I don't think the the money was an issue, Kay. I think last year, I think the real issue was the length of the deal. Dak wanted a four year deal and was insistent upon getting a four year deal. Dallas wanted a five year deal. And so now a year later, fast forwarded ahead. Does Dak say, okay, well, I want a three-year deal. I want a four-year. I'm good on a four-year deal now. Does Dallas give up that four-year deal, knowing that if it had him last year, if you count that and four this year, that would be five? Is that okay with Dak? I think the length has been the bigger hang-up. Look, the numbers, if they can get this figured out, are not going to be the holdup. The numbers are going to be enormous. They're going to be gargantuan. They're going to be whatever really Dak wants them to be, because we've seen the top prices to quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. And guess what? Dak Prescott may, may not be quite as good as Patrick Mahomes, but he's got more leverage than any of them, and he's got as much leverage as any player in the NFL has had in recent years. Chef, if he gets
2: tagged again, which it looks like he's going to be, what does that mean for the relationship between Dak
4: and the organization? No bearing on the relationship, Jay. The question is whether they can get the long-term deal done. But again, to go back to that tag again, Well, if they were to tag him next year, again, that tag would be somewhere in the neighborhood of about $54 million. That's why that tag this year is probably the last time that Dak Prescott ever gets tagged. And that's why if they don't get a deal done, he becomes an unrestricted free agent at this time next year. And who wouldn't want a quarterback in his late 20s when he's truly free and one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league? So, Again, Dallas is fighting to keep its quarterback. It's fighting to preserve its cap. It's fighting to be able to keep some other players to keep that cap number down because this is a year where the salary cap is going to go down. So if you don't get that long-term deal done with Dak and you have to keep his number on the books at $37.7 million, that's going to cripple you, and it's going to limit the type of roster you can build.
2: Take me to the other team in Texas, the Houston Texans. Why do we keep hearing reports, Shefty, that they're digging their heels in that they're not going to come to an agreement potentially with Deshaun Watson as a trade
4: to work a trade out in some form because it's more Because it's March 8th, Jay. If, if we're still hearing the same thing on April 28th or right before the draft, then it's a different deal. There's no urgency and there's no pressure on the Texans to move now. And by the way, they may hold to the same exact stance right before the draft, but their deadline is not this week. Their deadline is not the start of the new league year. They can just sit there and let the market continue to build and let teams get more and more anxious. And yes, some teams will sign quarterbacks and trade for quarterbacks and make moves for quarterbacks that will limit the market. But you know what? The Texans aren't looking to get rid of Deshaun Watson. And if the market dries up on Deshaun Watson, that's the way it goes. They're not looking to move him anyway. And if something materializes, we don't know that the Texans are going to come off their stance. We feel reasonably confident that Deshaun Watson is equally dug in and not going to report and vows not to play for that team again. So who wins that battle in that game of chicken? We'll see. But on March 8th, the answer is going to be a lot different perhaps than it might be on April 27th, the week of the draft. There's no urgency to do anything right now. I don't see the situation changing anytime soon, but I think the next real pressure point, Becomes the week of the NFL draft.
3: Boy, these quarterbacks, Adam, is something else. There's a hot quarterback out of Seattle that everybody is eyeing. Are the Chicago Bears really making a strong push to try and pry Russell Wilson
4: away from the Seahawks? Well, just think about it this way, Key. Who's playing quarterback for the Bears right now? We don't know. Are Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace fighting for their jobs? They are. So why would they not do everything within their power to see... If there's a way to pry loose Russell, of course, they're going to do that. Now, the question is, is Seattle going to actually trade Russell Wilson? And unlike the Texans, I don't think so far we've heard Seattle come out and say, we are not trading our quarterback. Have you heard that from anybody there yet? I have not. Okay. now they may come out and say that today. They're more than welcome to. I've not heard that just yet. And I'm not telling you they will trade him. It's gonna be hard to trade him because number one, you've got to get equal value, you gotta fill the quarterback position, and and this is the most important factor of all, it's a thirty-nine million dollar dead cap hit for Seattle if it trades Russell Wilson in a year where the cap is down, and again, we're gonna keep referring to that. How do you take on a $39 million dead cap hit for a guy who's one of the best players in the league? Like, you wanna do that? No. But again, until the Seahawks say, we are not trading Russell Wilson. We will continue talking about the idea that they could trade Russell Wilson. Mm.
1: It's an incredible story to follow. Adam just talked to J.J. Watt in his most recent podcast, but I would recommend the one before that because very, very compelling interview. Adam talks to Tim Tebow on how <laughs> Tim thinks... Urban Meyer is going to work in Jacksonville. Everybody's weighed in on it, but maybe the player that encapsulates Meyer the most weighs in on Adam's podcast. You can get it anywhere. You get podcasts. You didn't ask
2: him about Key not having Tim Tebow on his top five? <laughs>
1: That's a whole other <laughs> argument okay. for a whole right, other sorry. day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Adam, thank you very much. Appreciate <laughs> you joining us this morning.
2: All right, Shefter. Thanks
4: for having me, guys. Appreciate it.
1: You got it. That's Adam Shefter. <laughs> I don't have you on, on the top five you? either. <laughs> a, hey, I,
2: I, don't, I don't look at your basketball list. I look at your football list. <laughs> That was the topic Bobby Hurley, last week.
1: Stop, Dawkins.
2: Stop.
1: <laughs> Kyrie, Marty Clark, Marty Clark, Marty Clark. Come on, won't you? On the way, Mahomes money for Dak. Key says maybe.
5: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming.